We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living on this Monday morning? It's Monday, January 23rd, 2023. And we are coming to you live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres, as well as on Twitter at MTorres Sports is where you can find me. Make sure to lock in there. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm joined today by my good friend Spencer McLaughlin, uh, host of Locked On Ducks and Locked On Pac-12. How we doing, buddy? We are doing dandy on this Monday morning. Just always ready to rise and grind. Speaking of uh, Locked On Pac-12, I just got off of a... Uh, two-hour casual Zoom conversation call with a guy talking nothing but but realignment and, and where the Pac-12 could go. So that's what I'm doing on a Monday. What's everybody else doing? <laughs> yeah, let, let us know uh, how you guys are doing and what's on your mind over in the live chat. Uh, like I said, we're on YouTube uh, with, uh, with the live chat, and we got some, some folks already here. We got Brooks chiming in about his, some of his thoughts on uh, the Transfer Portal editions. Gerard Barry is here saying let's get this program started as you know we're a program podcast of course um but man it feels good to be back i don't know if it's uh just because we haven't done a podcast together in a little bit or maybe it's because my 49ers are heading to the the nfc championship uh and diamador lenore got a pick yesterday uh eric armstead also missed a, a surefire tackle that probably should have been a safety uh, on dak prescott well but, yeah you know, but if he makes the tackle we all know it's rough in the passer so who cares Probably because you know the NFL. <laughs> it's the NFL. Um, but maybe that maybe that's why I'm doing well. But I'm I'm just uh, just stoked to be back here. Um, you know, before we get into the show, I did have some someone comment that the audio was a little little iffy on the last show. So I did order a new uh, cord for my microphone. I think that might have been why it kind of got bent out of shape a little bit. Uh, but talked to Spencer before the show, and I think he said that we're sounding all right. So we're gonna we're gonna keep it rolling, and, and hopefully it sounds crisp for you guys. Um, yeah, so today's show is going to be a fun one. Um, Spencer said we got him for about 45 minutes. We'll see if we end up utilizing all of that or not. But in today's show, we're going to be talking some transfer portal because uh, that's definitely an interesting aspect of recruiting. We've seen a lot of people exiting the Oregon program, and we've also seen nine additions so far uh, as things stand right now in the 2023 recruiting class for Oregon. But before we talk about some of these guys, Spencer, I kind of just wanted to to throw this out there to get the the show started and get some of your thoughts. I feel like the approach for the transfer portal this cycle is maybe a little bit different than it was in the 2022 cycle for Dan Landing and the Ducks because 
You'll remember when Dan Lanning got hired at Oregon, it was right before that first early signing period, and he kind of had to scramble a little bit, and I thought he did a really good job of keeping that 2022 class together and then adding some pieces, getting former commits Jaleel Florence and Dave Uly back in the fold. So I feel like the approach is a little bit different. Last year, he had to use the transfer portal to, to really supplement maybe some of the areas that they couldn't address at the high school level in 2022 because of the coaching change. But now I feel like he can take it even up a notch even further because the transfer portal guys are solid and they're all filling needs. And then you have a really, really strong prep class, most of which is already on campus. Yeah, I, I think the portal mindset has been upgrade, you know, improve, get better, address weaknesses. And that's kind of what the good programs in, in the country and Oregon's program, of course, has, you know, really been in terms of a, a mindset for going into the transfer portal. They are looking at players to fill a position of need right now. And, and it's, you know, I think encouraging to see Lanning doing both adding quality players and a lot of them from the prep ranks, but also utilizing the portal. I think that's where the best schools in the country are going to be. Some places like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State probably don't have to hit the portal as hard because they recruit just so many blue chip players that, oh well, yeah, this guy leaves, he goes to a lower tier power five school or a G5 and somebody else has to fill that void, but they've got a player who's capable of doing that. I, I think the, you know, the the tier of of programs that Oregon is a member of, which is kind of that, you know, waiting to jump back into the national championship game, which is certainly possible. I know the schedule just dropped. Um, I, I I don't expect that in in year two, but with landing at the helm, I do feel like that is definitely a possibility and and long term long term goal but not consistently up there, right? It's not like Oregon is playoff or bust every year. That's There are only a few that are up there, right? Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, I think Michigan now after back-to-back appearances is probably, you know, anything short of a playoff appearance is, is a disappointment. There's not really any there. Oregon's kind of in that next tier. Consistently top 10, 15, conference title contender is an expectation year in and year out. Sniff around the playoff and try to have all the chips fall into their basket. I think those sor- those sorts of programs have to do both more more than the the highest of, of high-tier schools because you just have so many needs. I mean, we can talk about football year-round, Max, with, with our shows because there's so much to it, right? You've got 11 players on offense, 11 players on defense. You've got way more subs than, you know, you, you need sub. I'm talking like literal subs during the game who see meaningful playing time than in other sports. There are just so many different players that, that you need. And I think it's a wise approach for Lanning to look at it and say, here's a guy who can help us now. And here's a guy who can help us in the future. Yeah. And, and I think to, to your point about kind of Oregon's approach and, maybe how that compares to some of these other schools, depending on where they are in the college football hierarchy. Another thing is that I think a difference between Oregon and some of those top, top tier programs that we've seen, like the Alabamas, like the Michigans, and certainly like the Georgias, is that they're both, both schools, Oregon and all those other ones, are getting really good recruits from the prep ranks. But I don't think that it's much of an argument that those top, top tier programs are having more freshmen play from the second they get to campus because they are that good. Um, And, you know, maybe sometimes 
other guys need a little bit more coaching to, to get them along, or sometimes they're just ready to go. So I think that it's kind of a mixture of, of coaching and development and then just having dudes that are ready to go from the jump. So uh, just thought that was kind of an interesting piece of the, of the conversation that we could uh, introduce as we, as we navigate into the, the portal waters again. Um, we're going to be talking about the guys that Oregon has already landed, um, but Oregon was still hosting some guys over the weekend uh, out of the transfer portal. Uh, Brooks talking here with this comment about how he he loves the additions that Oregon's made from the transfer portal. And one name that we're tracking right now following a visit to Eugene this weekend is former Ole Miss safety Taishim Johnson. And I think that a lot of these guys that come in to visit from the portal particularly guys that are coming from you know, the SEC you know, areas that Oregon's looking to push into more, certainly easier to get SEC caliber guys out of the transfer portal right now than out of the prep ranks, is I think that they're just they're very intentional about guys that they're bringing out to campus, right? We had that weekend when they landed Birch, Evan Williams, and Connor Soley, and those guys were all on campus and uh, for visits before they committed, and Oregon got all of them in a you know clean sweep, perfect trifecta. But I think that's another interesting kind of thing to think about is that they're very purposeful about bringing guys out of the portal onto these visits because you're not going to bring them out unless you think you have a realistic shot. Yeah, and uh, the name that everyone's following on that front right now in terms of visits and our interest is Nicholas Harbor, and that's a big, big name to watch for for a number of reasons. But the, the Taishim Johnson thing is interesting. You know, Steve Stevens, Jamal Hill both announced that they're coming back I don't think you can say with any certainty that either is locked into a starting role in 2023. It's hard to imagine that guys with that much experience will, you know, not play or struggle to see the field and that they would have come back if they, you know, didn't have a good chance to play a lot. I I still wonder if one of them ends up transferring after spring football because there are so many bodies in that room, some of whom we don't really know anything about and some of whom we do. You bring in a fifth-year player like Evan Williams from the portal. From the portal. Um, by the way, someone just asked about Harbor. I have heard that he's not in Colorado. Um, doesn't mean Coach Prime couldn't come in and swoop, but I, I've, I, I saw something from, I think it was Wilt Fong on 24-7 saying, no, he's, uh, he's, he's not there at this point in time. But... You just look at the safeties, the safeties room. It's got a lot of depth. It it's got a lot of experience. I don't know that there's a ton of high level talent in there. And I think if Peyton Bowen had stayed committed to Oregon, he would have had a chance to play right away. Maybe you don't add Evan Williams if you get Peyton Bowen. That's kind of the the trade off we might be looking at going forward. But if you imagine that Williams is probably Oregon starting free safety, he's you know a little bit of a smaller body than than Bennett, so I, I don't think he plays that sort of nickel position or third safety on the field who's kind of primarily in the box. I just look at the rest of the guys that, that they've got there. You got Steve Stevens, you got Jamal Hill. We don't know what Brian Addison's doing yet. You got Evan Williams, and then you have a bunch of freshmen who are in there as well. You got Trajan Williams, you got Tyler Turner, you got Cody DeCamera coming in. The last two will be true freshmen this year. You, you never know if one of those guys will pop in spring football, but I, I just don't see a lot of playing time right right now. I don't see a lot of secured playing time. So I feel like what they're doing with the safety and looking at a guy like Taishim Johnson is 
we need to upgrade at this position, which they do. They need to get more. And that doesn't mean that, you know, one of Hill or Stevens couldn't grow a lot for this year. But I think it does mean at the very least, they want to have a lot of bodies in the room for competition to try and bring out the best of the players they do have in there. Because I, I think Addison was probably the best of the bunch. And he did a number of really good things this year. And I think he's the most explosive athlete of the group. But would I say that even he's locked into a starting position? No, I think you could beat him out. I think he'd be the toughest to do that for. But I, I think it's the most intriguing position group right now to watch in the coming weeks leading up to spring ball for the Ducks because I, I think there are just so many different ways you could go. Yeah, the safety position is is certainly an interesting one to kind of dig your teeth, sink your teeth into. Uh, especially when you look at the numbers, right? Because they had a lot of rotation last year, but it didn't really feel like, you know, there was a dude who's like, okay, every time he comes on the field, like he's making something happen. Like he needs to be on the field more. It was kind of just like, you know, we're, we're getting some some flashes and some good plays here and there from a number of guys. So maybe that's why it was a little bit more difficult to yeah. have someone solidify that role. And if you get a guy like Tysheem Johnson, maybe the staff, and I'll be honest, I don't know a tremendous a lot about him but maybe the staff feels like he is a guy who is an instant upgrade over some of those players mentioned but brian addison is someone i'm definitely interested to see what he does uh in terms of his plans for 2023 uh and then a lot of those guys they're um you know i don't want to say that they're old but they have been at oregon for a long time so you also have to balance find that balance of you know okay hey we got to get these young guys along too and maybe look a little bit more towards the the future so those are just some of the thoughts I had on uh, on Tysheem Johnson. Didn't want to spend too much time on him because we got a lot of people to get to, but just wanted to leave it open. Yeah, and and, and and one one way to think about the safeties room for this year when you're considering like, oh well, you know this guy's experience, he's a solid player, he's a you know a, a good recruit or something like that. Just ask yourself this question: How many explosive or impact plays do you remember from the safeties position this year? I got a couple, and they all come from Brian Addison. Um, Bennett Williams had an interception that you know was huge in the Utah game. One of them was tipped up in the air, and I guess anybody really could have made that that other play. But one of them was good. But that that's that's kind of it, right? I, I think Addison is pretty clearly the the best of the bunch. I think he's the best athlete. Flies around a lot, hits hard, covers a good amount of ground, good length as well. A couple interceptions, but. You know, the the other guys, I just can't think of a lot of moments where I thought, man, good thing that guy was there. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with those points. And I feel like that's a group that was good, but not great. And uh, certainly a, a spot that they're they're looking to upgrade at for sure. And that's why they're navigating the transfer portal to find some of those guys. So let's kind of turn the conversation a little bit to the guys that Oregon does have, many of which, uh, possibly all of which I think are actually already enrolled. Uh, now that I think about it, I'm pretty confident that they all are. Uh, we got a bunch. Uh, we got nine guys that have uh, announced their commitment and um, are now on campus and enrolled at Oregon uh, as we start to, to break this down and talk about the haul for the Ducks. And I think the conversation really starts with Jordan Birch, right? And, and it makes sense why, because he's the biggest name that they were able to get. Former five-star out of high school, ties to Lanning, uh, you know, freak athlete type of a deal. And uh, certainly fills a position of need. And I think that one point that I would maybe bring to the discussion is that even if they had DJ Johnson and Brendan Dorless both coming back, I think you still want to get a guy like Jordan Birch because they just haven't had that 
that star power, not from a ranking or rating standpoint, but just a dude who's going to command that kind of attention from their opposing offensive lines and the, the line of scrimmage play on defense pass rush specifically has just been very underachieving for a number of seasons, even dating back to Kayvon Thibodeau when he was at Oregon, he was great, but where's the rest of the group? He's not, you can't rely on one guy to generate a pass rush. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons I like Jordan Burge because of what he brings to the table and the flexibility that he allows the rest of that offense, the defensive line. Plug and play starter is the easiest way to describe him. There, there's not going to be a, I think big competition for, for edge play for him. You know, when you factor in that DJ Johnson is there and that, you know, the starting edge players from 2022, Mace Fuda and DJ Johnson, you, you have to look at them and say, that wasn't good enough. I, I mean, they did some good things, had good moments, but the consistency for 12 games, generating pressures and, you know, ultimately sacking the quarterback and being disruptive on on non-running plays. I thought both were actually quite good uh, against the run. When you go back and watch some of the games and highlights, they do a lot of great things uh, on that front. And Oregon's run defense, save for one game, was also very good this year. But I think you just have to be willing to look at guys who you know and are familiar and comfortable with and have have enjoyed watching and be able to say that it would just just got to do better, just, just got to do better. And I think Birch gives you that potential. And I think the, the 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 possibility of lining him up at one defensive end and Mateo Uyunglele at the other as as a true freshman, I I think that's very realistic for the Ducks heading heading into 2023. And I think that's a good thing too, because I think Mateo, you know, may not be a full-time starter right away. Kayvon Thibodeau wasn't even. He was kind of a pass rush specialist. But then by the time the end of the season came around, he took over the Pac-12 championship game. He dominated in the Rose Bowl as well with a number of pressures that led to stops and an interception. So he is that sort of guy. I don't think anybody is Kayvon Thibodeau because there's just one of him and he's redonkulous. But I think that's why you want to continue to pursue talent at, at that position. I, I think right now your starting edge players are probably Birch at one end and then a mix of, of Mateo and Mace Funa at the other. Yeah, and, and, and Birch, I feel like, to kind of just wrap up the discussion on him, uh, I feel like he's, he's kind of almost a a cherry on top in this portal hall or, you know, in this 2023 class up to this point, And it's not finished yet. Right. You talked about guys like Nicholas Harbor uh, that they're going after out in the DC area. I uh, did a little bit of digging while you were talking. And it looks like Wilt Fong said that uh, Oregon is going to be in home with, uh, with Nicholas Harbor today, um, which is certainly uh, an interesting development ahead of his official visit, his final official visit, which will be to Oregon this upcoming weekend. Uh, and then you also have Roderick Pleasant in the 2023 class out of Unibro Serra High School in Gardena. Uh, I'm going to try to make my way out to there to talk to him to preview his college commitment. Got Oregon, USC, UCLA, Boston College, and Cal all still in the picture there. But to, to go back to the edge conversation with with Birch and Mateo, you know, Mateo was the one of those guys that I got to watch a lot this year. And I feel like he's really polished from – uh, from some of his pass rushing stand, uh, standpoint and, you know, just the, the sheer size of, of his frame. I think he's around 6'5", 250 plus. Um, so he's only going to continue to improve. He was out in Hawaii for the Poly Bowl, but he's already on campus for Oregon. Um, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see kind of where he lines up. And he has a lot of potential, I think, because of the kind of athlete that he is. He, he 
starred as a two-way standout at Bosco for, for much of his high school career. But this past season, when I got to see him, he was really focusing on defense. And then they rolled him out, play some offense, play some tight end, and flex kind of a deal against Modern Day. And then he shined and really helped them win that game over Modern Day at the end of the year. So Mateo is a guy I'm incredibly excited about. So much potential there. And uh, I think he's certainly someone that could be seeing a lot of rotation as a true freshman. But you make a good point about, you know, even KT didn't start full time as a true freshman. So he was, depth- a, he, he was a pass rush specialist to begin because he, you know, that that's what he was known for. But he had to develop the rest of his game. I don't think Mateo will be any different. Yeah, exactly. So I, and I think another thing that's going to aid in his development and kind of transition to the college level, look at how deep the defensive line is. Um, maybe not so much at the edge position as you'd maybe want, but you certainly have bodies and some production there that can, I think, you know, where you're not in a position where you have to, you know, have Mateo out there for a ton of snaps. Cause I think that's a huge difference. That's definitely worth a discussion for, for anybody coming from the high school level to college is sure. They're great, but are you starting them because they're your best guy and they're pushing other guys for playing time? Or are you starting them because, Hey, we don't have a whole lot of options here that we know we're super confident in. Like I, I think about Thomas Graham at cornerback when he was at Oregon, Thomas Graham and Deometer Lenore, they both played a lot of football early and that defense was, was rough. I mean, just when they got there. So they obviously carved out their roles and, and proved to be pretty solid contributors. But I think that's another point worth, worth making. Yeah, it, it takes, it takes time. And you know, this is year two for, for landing still really the first full year where you'll have, uh, a recruiting cycle and transfer portal season in addition to a full off season where they've been there the entire time. But the, the expectation, at least in my view is the defense needs to be better. I I'm, I'm not expecting them necessarily to dominate in 2023. Cause I don't know if they have the secondary players to do that. We'll see. Maybe guys can, can grow and, and surprise us, improve or really pop. But to be a great defense in the NFL or college ranks in 2023, you need a great pass rush and defensive line, and you need a great secondary. And it also helps when you have a really speedy linebacker like Fred Warner, uh, which is what the, the 49ers have. I mean, that guy's that guy's Love ridiculous. Him. That guy's ridiculous. But they don't they're not making a lot of they're not making a lot of those guys out there. But there, there's so many areas where I'm interested to see how the Ducks defense can improve. And I think they've added some personnel. I, I'm really intrigued to see what Justin Jacobs is going to bring because that's an Iowa football program that values defense above all else. And he was going to be a starter for them this year. They were expecting he'd be back and be a starter next year as in 2023 and Oregon's able to snag him out of the portal. So I, I'm in, I, I, I'm, I think most intrigued to see him play in terms of transfers who are being slept on a little bit, right? Birch gets all the attention. He should, he should be Oregon's best transfer. I think number two could be Justin Jacobs because of the void that's being left at linebacker with, you know, the guys who departed and, you know, the few players that are returning at that position group, there's not a ton of production slash experience that's there. So I think that's a, a void the defense needs to fill. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about Justin Jacobs a little bit because I'm, I'm pretty excited about him as well. Uh, and then maybe we can, um, you know, shift a little bit and look at some of these questions and comments. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be fun. 
So yeah, Justin Jacobs is an interesting guy because you, you kind of said it a little bit, you know, Iowa is a program that definitely prides itself on its defense and, and certainly uh, in the trenches and, you know, on that defensive front. And what part of what makes Justin Jacobs so intriguing, uh, you know, he's coming off of an, an injury, I want to say, so he maybe didn't get to play a whole lot last year, but he kind of gets lost in the I mix. think he only appeared in like two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's... Maybe I can double check that or one of us can check that while the other one's talking. But what I was going to say is that he kind of gets lost in the mix because of Jack Campbell. I mean, Jack Campbell was a stud for the Hawkeyes defense. And uh, to have a guy like Justin Jacobs come to Oregon, I think he definitely fills some of that need along the inside when you're losing a guy like Noah Sewell. Uh, And one of his biggest strengths, Spencer, is one of Oregon's biggest weaknesses from a year ago, and that's coverage. Just because he is such a talented athlete, it's going to be really important for him to, to be covering tight ends and, and running backs out of the backfield. Uh, that's a big, big need for Dan Lennon and Tosh LePoy on this defense uh, going into next season. And I think Justin Jacobs is one of the biggest reasons that you should be optimistic that they can try to make that leap to the next level in, in regards to coverage. Yeah, and there are a lot of schematical things that you can talk about with how the defense was rolled out this year. But I, I think where you know, I, I got frustrated at times was their reliance on a pretty soft zone coverage made for some easy pitch and catches for the other team or just kind of wasn't working super well in addition to the defensive line not getting any pressure. But I, I wonder if they were more zone heavy than maybe they wanted to be because of what they had in coverage at the linebacker position. And, and we saw them trying to find the right combination of guys you know whether it's Jeffrey Bossa, No Sewell or Justin Flo they just couldn't get guys in there who they felt confident in enough from a coverage standpoint to match up man-to-man with a, a tight end or a wide receiver and I mean it's tough for any linebacker really to match up with a wide receiver it's what makes Fred Warner so ridiculous but that that's in theory why you have that that extra safety in the box who you know it was Bennett Williams this year I really wonder if they'll slide Jeffrey Bossa back to safety because he struggled at linebacker this year but I think the reason that he stayed there Bossa that is is because he's better in coverage because he's or at least in theory because he's more nimble he's smaller but he struggled big time against the run he got moved around by offensive linemen a lot so I, I think there are a lot of different ways that that can go. And what you can't lose in the shuffle here is how good Keith Brown looked in the Holiday Bowl. I mean, he was, what, Oregon's best defensive player in the front seven in, in that game, aside from Mace Funa, who was the Holiday Bowl MVP. Like, if he's one of your linebackers and Jacobs is the other, I think there will be a sufficient amount of rotation there because – you know, it is always going to be matchup dependent. And if a team is coming out five wide, yeah, you maybe don't want to have Jacobs and Brown on the field, depending on what, you know, Jacobs true coverage abilities are. And, and I don't think we can fully evaluate that at this point in time, because we just haven't seen him play enough football. I mean, sure. we just, Iowa hasn't, we haven't, he just unfortunately hasn't had the chance to. So hopefully he's able to to stay healthy and we see what he's capable of. But He's certainly a different sort of physical makeup. I think he's like three inches taller than either Sewell or Flo, who are both like six one and in the two, you know, forty to fifty range. I think Sewell at one point was like two sixty. Jacobs is like six four to forty. Like he's he's almost built kind of like an edge player, but he plays middle linebacker. So I, I'm fascinated to see what what he can bring to the table. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so let's let's uh, get to some of these questions. Uh, one of them coincidentally kind of hits right on what we were talking about right now and will allow us to talk about another player. This question comes from Andrew. Andrew asks, guys, are any of these transfer linebackers skilled at pass coverage because Sewell and Flo were so awful that I think just about anyone is an upgrade? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that anyone on that Oregon defense will tell you that the, the pass coverage wasn't where it needed to be uh, last year, a season ago. And uh, now with with Sewell and Flo both departing, I think we can all agree that Sewell is the bigger loss of the two with Flo now at Arizona. But I wanted to talk about this other linebacker that they got because I think he also helps in this in this area. And that's former Arizona State linebacker Connor Soley, who is definitely a little bit on the smaller side. Right. I think it's pronounced Sully is what I've come to understand. Okay, Sully. Yeah. Like Sully Sullenberger, which is fantastic in my view. Yeah, I I did talk to a, a source that told me it was solely, but but uh, we can just we can just keep rolling. Uh, I, I I did like the joke. We know who. Know gonna... Well, we know who we know who we're talking about. That I I had an Arizona State guy tell me it was solely. Okay, may, may, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We all know who we're talking about, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's listed on the 2023 or I guess 2022. He's still on the Arizona site for some reason. The Arizona State roster at six one, two hundred and twenty pounds. So definitely a, a smaller linebacker. But I think obviously one of the big upsides that comes with that is that he can move. At least that's the the assumption, right? You would think with a, a guy uh, of, of his physical frame. So, you know, it's an experienced guy. Uh, I think a, a little bit of a, a lower rated recruit than than Oregon has kind of traditionally gone on, gone after at linebacker, uh, a former three star out of uh, Saguaro, which is an Arizona powerhouse. Uh, but I think that that's a reason to be confident in what he has as a player, you know, uh, I, I was able to ask a little bit about him and I'm going to see if I can find the, the, the message um, to try to bring some more insight here, but, you know, strong work ethic, good football IQ, having a feel for a game is, is obviously huge. And you get that by playing a lot of football, which he, he definitely did uh, at Arizona state was a, a red shirt senior this, this past year, I believe. Um, so I think that he's a, a solid addition, you know, someone that maybe flies a little bit under the radar uh, in terms Special of guys, teams. 
yeah, so I, I think that uh, he's he's someone that I think uh, can can definitely help push this group that doesn't have a ton of proven production. Uh, aside from you know Keith Brown's your most experienced guy that was already at Oregon, I want to say with Jackson Leduc going to uh, Nevada, uh, I think that linebacker is definitely a, a position that they need to retool a little bit. And um, who was the other guy I was going to say? Uh, I was I was going to mention that that Jerry Mixon is the the only true linebacker that they signed from the the prep rankings. Yeah, he was on campus for his official visit uh, over the over the weekend, and he's someone that uh, I know they're excited about. He's playing basketball, that's why he's not enrolled yet. Uh, but Mixon should be a solid addition. Not sure if he plays early necessarily, but like we've kind of been talking about, I don't think the depth is as strong as they would like. So maybe there's uh, an opportunity there, especially if Bossa ends up moving back to the secondary. I had to had to make sure to hit that one. Well, you have to remember there's also Harrison Taggart and Devin Jackson in, in that linebacker room who we haven't really seen. I, I like Jackson's potential because he has high-end speed. I, I think if you, you just give it a surface-level thought, you'd say... Oh, no, they could definitely use more linebacker depth. But then as you start going through and, and you remember that this is not a 4-3 or a 3-4, this is a 4-2-5. So you're only playing two linebackers at any point in time on the field unless you're in a goal line package. Justin Jacobs, yeah, that's probably going to be a day one starter. Connor, Connor Sully, I... I would be surprised if he's a starting linebacker. I would not be surprised if he's a starting special teamser, or which is a word I just made up, or if he is a guy who plays that box safety role, right? The Bennett Williams hybrid linebacker safety position that I have long clamored for on my show and will continue to do for Jeffrey Bossa to play because I think he's more well-suited to play that, that spot. But... You look at the linebackers they've got, it's Jacobs, and you've got Keith Brown in there, and they're seemingly going to stick with Bossa at linebacker. Sully's a hybrid guy, Jackson, Taggart, and now you go like, well, do they need more bodies in there, or do guys just need to get a chance to show what they can do, or do they just need to improve, right? And that first description applies to Jackson and Taggart, who were 2022 commits. The second category of needing to improve applies to Jeffrey Bossa, who graded very poorly on PFF this year. I, I think he had some nice things. He brings a, a lot to the table, right? One thing he was good at this year, really good at this year, especially against Arizona with Jaden Delora, where he had, I, I think, one of his only sacks of the year. The other one came in the Holiday Bowl. He's a great quarterback spy guy. He's he's perfect for that, right? Matching up in a linebacker or on a running back, going into the flat, I think he's really adept at that. He's a solid tackler in space, but you know, I thought took a step back from what he showed from his true freshman year. But he is the sort of body that you can put in the box and say, all right, you can make a play in the running game or in the passing game, but also we need you to spy the quarterback. And that's what he fits. And I wonder I wonder if maybe Soli is someone who's going to come in and fill that that kind of role as well, because they're a very similar frame. And, and body type, and Sully's very experienced in, in just in, in college football in general. So I, I, I'm curious how the playing time works out for those guys. Yeah, maybe Jeffrey Bossa is a, a little bit of a wild card heading into next year. I mean, I think he's someone I think he's a huge wild card. Who's for defense. sure going to be on the on the field. It's just, you know, maybe, maybe they need to move him around a little bit. Because I know that Landing, when he got hired, he talked about how Bossa has that perfect blend of speed, athleticism, and, you know, 
tackling that you want in, yeah. in a linebacker. Um, yeah, let, let's uh, let's shift to a, another question real quick that I think we can use to kind of hit on the position group as well. Uh, Mark's asking if there's any update on Coach Clem's Patriots interview. There, there's none that I'm aware of, but I think we could talk a little bit about Adrian Clem and then uh, some of the guys that he was able to, to bring in in this uh, portal class with uh, Junior Angelau, who comes over from Texas, and then arguably the top offensive tackle prospect available in the portal, Ajani Cornelius from Rhode Island. What do you think about those additions? I think if Coach Clem were to get hired somewhere else, I'd be really bummed. I mean, really, that like that would be that would be a significant loss to the offense in in my view. And to be fair, we don't know exactly what he's capable of as an offensive line coach. Though the numbers did improve, it's about you know how the offense operates as well. But the offensive line coach is in conjunction with the offensive coordinator. It's under that same umbrella. That's why he's interviewing for the Patriots OC position. They were better somehow in 2022 than they were in 2021. And they were dominant in 2021. It's the only way because we know Mario Cristobal wants a football game to look when you win. It is what carried Oregon to 10 wins. And they didn't have to do quite as much. Like they weren't as offensive line dependent in 2022, I don't think. But they were even better. They didn't allow as many sacks. They run blocked at an elite clip. There are just a lot of things that that indicate, in addition to the caliber of recruits that he's brought in, right? Think about Josh Connerly. Think about Junior Angelau. Think about, you know, even another guy like George Silva who's coming over in in the portal from the junior college ranks. Like, there are a lot of big bodies that other Power 5 quality programs were after that Adrian Clem ended up landing, and he's been really good in that front. And so the good news at this point in time is – it's just been he interviewed, no other buzz. That's that's the good news for Duck fans right now. I'd be super bummed if he left. Yeah, just just to give some of my thoughts, I think that he's he's been a tremendous addition, you know, to this coaching staff since he got to Oregon, both on the field and on the recruiting trail. Uh, and now I think this next season is an opportunity for him to not that he really needs to, but you know, sell himself even more or prove himself even more because he's heading into the off season with obviously this big challenge of guys like Forsyth, Bass, Walk, Sala, all gone. Uh, but you have Steven Jones coming back after he was injured for much of the year. That's obviously a huge plus. Jackson Powers Johnson played a really good amount of football kind of all over the offensive line. JPJ, really excited JPJ about. JPJ is really good. Super stoked about where, where he could uh, help the Ducks. Um, and you also have Marcus Harper, who I think uh, didn't really get enough shine. I always talk about him. When I think about last year's group, he, of course, stepped in for Jones when he got injured and, and he didn't miss a beat last year. And he was talking about how he was constantly, you know, preparing for this moment. I think it's been like a thousand days, he said, or whatever, since he, uh, you know, contributed in like a meaningful capacity in his eyes. So this group has uh, some some proven production returning. But then you bring in Junior Angelau and, and Ajani Cornelius. Um, I, I would probably think that Ajani projects to be the, the left tackle. Uh, for Bo Nix, you know, I think that that's a, a big addition to uh, probably a big piece, you know, for, for Bo Nix to come back. He's like, hey, you know, I, I was playing behind a great old line. Like, what are you guys going to do to, uh, you know, what's that picture looking like next year? And Johnny Cornelius is a really, really talented guy out of the portal uh, that I think should should absolutely be a, a plug and play guy. It's just a matter of kind of seeing where these guys fit in and what this group ultimately looks like because you have Josh Connerly coming back. 
you also have um, you know Dave Uli, who was one of the stronger recruits in the 22 class, uh, Faope uh, Laulaulu, uh, who also got to get some reps last year. So I think that the additions of Angelau and Cornelius really help bridge the gap here and I think uh, give you some optimism that Oregon's offense can continue to be elite both in the run and in the pass. I, I wonder if it'll be Cornelius or Connerly who starts at or left Connerly. tackle. I just think you don't want a guy that young necessarily starting at left tackle unless you have to or unless he is just that much better than your other options. Maybe, yeah. I, I just wonder what I wonder what the plan would be there if you recruit a guy of that caliber and he's not starting in year two. Well, I'm, I'm, maybe he, oh yeah, maybe he starts on the opposite side. I don't could, know. Be. could be, could be. You, you could move one over to right tackle. But the other thing to remember with the offensive line is you think of the starting five, but we have seen seven to eight linemen play regularly for the last couple of seasons, and, and I think that's existed over time more than people really realize. I've just started to notice it more in the last couple of years. But think of every offensive lineman who played meaningful game-altering snaps this season. Alex Forsyth, Ryan Walk, Marcus Harper, Stephen Jones, Josh Connerly, Big Sala, Jackson Powers Johnson. TJ Bass? TJ, yeah, TJ Bass, who started a left tackle. That's eight. That's eight. So as you look at what the offensive line is shaping up to be, I feel really good about where they are. Like, it's hard to say they could be as good as they were in 2022. Because you had Forsyth leading the charge, and man, that guy is good. And you had Bass at left tackle. He rarely, if ever, got beat. I think the only time he did was um, was against uh, Laitu Latu, who's a stud from from UCLA. So I, I I like where the offensive line's at because I've watched JPJ. He's really good. <laughs> he grades really well. He looks really good. He can also play either guard or center. Like, I mean, he might be the starting center. Angelau is a guy who's played tackle and guard. I think Cornelius looks like a tackle. You got Silva in there, but then Iuli could be a guy who gets some more snaps this year. He was kind of the, you know, number, if you got two starting guards, he was like the number four guard, I think, this year, probably four or five. He might move up the depth chart. I, I feel good about, you know, where the offensive line is at, and that's why I don't want Clem to leave. Yeah, so we're we're on the same page there as far as the value that that Clem provides at Oregon, and and I also think just to wrap that discussion up on him, it's I feel like just from a career standpoint, it, it seems kind of odd to come down from the NFL ranks to college for just a year, have the success that he had as a West Coast guy, uh, mind you, although we know he has ties to to Belichick and the Patriots after playing some of his NFL career there, um, but that's maybe another thing to consider is you know does he want to go back to the NFL? Uh, after getting to back to the college level and, you know, just really kicking some butt, honestly. Uh, and then uh, we got Mikey G's comment here talking about Clem saying, I remember the haters clowning Clem early in the year. He made a great old line outstanding and, oh, yeah, landed huge recruits. No doubt that is exactly what he did. We got five more minutes left in the show, so there's only a couple guys we haven't gotten to just yet. Let's talk about the receivers. You got Trayshawn Holden coming over from Alabama. Uh, definitely had some good production there. I want to say about six touchdowns last season while with the Crimson Tide, a guy that Oregon recruited heavily coming out of high school out of Narbonne down here in the Southern California area. And then you have uh, Tez Johnson, who is Bo Nix's adopted brother, who comes over from Troy. A couple different body types here. I think that, you know, Trayshawn Holden, 6'3", 200-pound range uh, is, you know, your more you know big play possession, you know, 50-50 ball kind of guy, but he can definitely – 
make something happen with the ball in his hands after the catch. And then Tez Johnson is definitely a little bit more of a slider frame kind of guy. Um, I want to say he's, he's five, nine, five, 10 and like around 175 or so, but was the top no, receiver. He might, he, he, he's, he's not even 175. He's, he's listed at like 150. Oh no! Yeah, it was one fifty. Yeah. I was looking. He's a two four seven has him at one thirty eight on their. He is a skinny page, dude. He's light. a skinny dude and a nimble athlete. I I'm most curious how how he gets incorporated in the offense because I love Chris Hudson in more ways than one. I think he's a great blocker, and I don't think Tez can match him in that fr- front because he's just not as big. He can't be quite as physical. I think he is a little bit more explosive of an athlete, but. At what point this year did you watch Chris Hudson and how he was using the offense and think, yeah, it's position Oregon needs to upgrade? I didn't think that a single time. Oh, yeah. So I so I I understand you bring in Bo Nix's brother. He's been a very good college player at the G five level. I think those two are battling it out for for playing time. Yeah, and and Chris Hudson's done nothing to you know lose his snaps, right? I think maybe no. we maybe we view Tez Johnson as more of a. Uh, a depth piece right now, which is Could something be. Oregon needs, which I is think. fine, which yeah. is which is which is totally fine, because yeah, the only thing against Hudson, he had the one drop against Cal, yeah, and then he big. came back and made plays in that game that were instrumental to us moving the ball and scoring. I'm I'm a big Chris Hudson fan. Yeah, so so I think that these these additions, Treshawn Holden, definitely figures to be your plug and play guy that I think should be a starter alongside the likes of Troy Franklin and Chris Hudson, and then. Tez Johnson, I think, definitely adds some depth to that room, a room that loses Chase Cota, the number two wide out from a year ago, and Dante Thornton, who uh, definitely wasn't used enough uh, at Oregon. But, you know, Chase Cota was really solid. So, you know, it's just kind of something that happens sometimes. You know, you got to find ways to get guys on the field, and, you know, that's not always going to, you know, be where uh, they want to be utilized. The last guy that I want to talk about, Spencer, before we get you out of here, is Kyrie Jackson, the second Alabama transfer for the Oregon Ducks, and Dan Lanning, cornerback who uh, comes over and uh, really should play a significant role uh, right off the bat, you know, depending on what else they do in the transfer portal. I think cornerbacks are a a position that they'd be wise to maybe try to add another guy if they can, although we know that numbers are kind of tight. But uh, I think that he should be someone that's a prime candidate to to come in and bolster that room with Christian Gonzalez heading off to the NFL. And then uh, you have some young guys that are coming in, you know, waiting in the wings. Jaleel Florence played a lot last year, um, the most of any 2022 corner I want to say, but you also have Bridges, Dante Manning, Darren Barkins, Avante Dickerson. But as you can kind of work your way down that list, there, there's not a ton of production and not uh, you know a lot of really proven um, you know proven ability so far. Although I think that you know guys like Dante Manning took a step in the right direction this year. Same thing with the safeties group, Max. If I asked you right now, Oregon takes field to play Portland State. Who are the starting corners? Uh, let's go. Uh, is the correct response. Well, no, That's- <laughs> I, I was just starting. You didn't give me time. I was going to say Kyrie no, Jackson. I, I, was, I was asking that rhetorically to make a point. Like, oh, okay. The, the, the opportunity is there for Jackson or any of those DBs to claim the starting job. And as the season went on, I think Triquez Bridges' growth was profound in a great way for the defense. But would I say that he's you know as dominant as Gonzo was at any point in the year? No. So does that mean his job is solidified? Absolutely not. Could he be a starter? Yeah, to- totally could. And I mean, you bring in a guy like Kyrie Jackson from a program like Alabama, you would think that is for him to start right away. But 
I think there are some other talented guys in the room, and he could be a depth piece. They could want to have him as a nickel corner more, which is you know something Dante Manning did a, a little bit of this year when they put three DBs on the field or three corners on the field specifically. Could do that with Jula Florence. He he played in that that number three corner role a, as well. I I don't think you know the world of Kyrie Jackson. I don't think nothing about him either. I, I think it's a guy who will have the opportunity to compete for playing time. But if you told me that he's not one of the transfers who starts right away, I would not be surprised, nor would I be surprised if you told me he was a day one starter and you had Triquez or or Dante or Jalil on on the other side. I'm a I'm a big I'm a big Jalil Florence fan, by the way. Big, big, big Jalil Florence fan and the potential he's got. But I I also wonder all these bodies, all these names right now, the portal is closed. Guys could still announce they're going to go in the portal. They just can't formally do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think we've seen the last of players leaving. I think Not we've mostly seen the last of players entering. But more guys are going to have to leave, whether they get asked to go out. I mean, it's, it's happened before in college sports where a coach sits you down and says, look, we think you're a good player. You're a good kid. You worked hard for us, but you're not going to see the field here. We just have other guys who we feel better about, and it's in your best interests to do that. A coach cannot make a player do that, and they're not going to revoke his scholarship, but players will, will be encouraged going forward because they're still over the limit, and there are just so many bodies at some position groups, particularly in the secondary, honestly, where I look and go, okay, not everybody can play here. Uh, some guys might be okay being a number two, and when a guy goes down with an injury or has to come out of the game, he gets an opportunity to play. Some guys might be okay with that. All right. But there are only so many snaps at every position group, and there are a lot of names at, at some of those spots right now. I, I think defensive back the defensive backfield is where you'll see more transfers in the future. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably expect more guys to, to leave after spring football concludes. Uh, yeah. And, you know, guys have more of an idea of where they stand in the depth chart. And Oregon did add some other guys from the prep ranks in 23, most notably Dalen Austin out of Long Beach Poly, who I think is one of the best corners in that 23 class. Cole Martin is already on campus. to get coached up by his dad, Demetrius Martin. But it uh, should be an interesting one as we get to continue tracking and then see what unfolds with Oregon's management of their roster. Spencer, before we get you out of here, where can people find more of you and what you have going on in the college football space? Hosting Locked On Ducks and Locked On Pac-12 five days a week, YouTube or every, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm also on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55. Many of you know that already. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Max, always good to talk to you, my guy. Thanks for being on here, man. Always feels good to chop it up with you. Always have an awesome time. If you guys want to find more of me and what I have going on, Follow me on Twitter at mtorresports. That's the best way to lock in with me. And then go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus. And go ahead and leave a like and comment while you're at it. Love growing the community. And then share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. That's the best way to grow the community and you know spread the word. But until next time, thank you guys so much. Thanks to Spencer for coming on. And you've been listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.